Welcome to the Well-Nurtured Brain, where we delve into the exciting world of brain health. Every episode, we bring the latest research and expert insights on mental and neurological health and offer practical tips and strategies on how to nurture your brain and optimize its function. From mental wellness to neurological health, we'll cover it all so you can become skilled in the care and feeding of the most important organ in your body, the one that makes you you, your brain. Welcome to episode five of the Well-Nurtured Brain. I'm your host, Dr. Pamela Hutchison. I'm a naturopathic doctor with over 20 years of clinical practice supporting folks with mental health and neurological challenges live healthy lives. Today's episode, I think it's going to astonish you, or at least when I read the main research paper that we're going to discuss today, I was honestly gobsmacked, completely awestruck with these findings. And I have to imagine actually that the researchers were too when they ran the numbers and got their final results, because it's not very common that something ordinary shows a big effect size. So this study that blew me away, the study at the center of today's episode is what's called a prospective cohort study published in the journal Neurology in 2018 by Martha Claire Morris and colleagues. The title for this extremely extraordinary paper is Nutrients and Bioactives in Green Leafy Vegetables and Cognitive Decline. I want to give you a quick primer first on what a prospective cohort study is. A prospective cohort study follows a group of people, also known as subjects, over time and watches them for certain outcomes. And those outcomes could be positive or negative. In a positive outcome study, they might be looking for good bone density. In a negative outcome study, they might be looking for heart attacks or strokes as the outcomes that they're searching for in this cohort. Often a group or a cohort is selected because they share some certain characteristics. So back when we were talking about the nun studies in episode two, three, and four, that was a cohort study. They were following these nuns through time, and those nuns had a lot of shared characteristics, including all were female, mainly white. They were all nuns. Pretty specific cohort, right? As I've repeated in the past already around the nun study, and and it bears repeating over and over again, whenever we're talking about cohort and prospective studies, is that correlation is not causation. So even though this is a remarkable correlation that's found in this study, we can't say for sure that the consumption of green leafy vegetables was the reason why these folks had such remarkable outcomes. That's really important to say really clearly And we're often in this situation with nutritional research where we are looking at prospective cohort studies because that's often the best that we're going to get with nutritional research or the best that we can get right now. These studies, though, have made huge changes in how we think about health in certain areas. For instance, it's largely epidemiological studies of this type that raised the alarm that there was some type of problem with lung cancer and smoking. Back to the study on leafy green vegetables, Martha Claire Morris and her colleagues wanted to get 
the answer to a very specific study question. They wanted to know the answer to this. How does the consumption of leafy green vegetables affect the risk of age-related cognitive decline? It's a really specific question, and they had some really good reasons for why they wanted to ask this based on previous research that they'd done. And so who was in this population? So their cohort was 960 participants, age 58 to 99, average age 80. So this is an older population, 95% white, 74% female. And they were part of a Chicago-based Rush Memory and Aging Project. It's an open cohort that started in 1997. And these guys started collecting their data in 2004. And what they did was they did yearly tests of cognitive function. So they're looking at things like memory and processing speed. And then they also had a yearly food frequency questionnaires completed based on what the subjects ate over the past 12 months. From that, they calculated the average daily servings of green leafy vegetables. And they split the cohort up into groups based on their daily intake. Specifically, they split them up into five groups. That's termed a quintile. And the lowest quintile had an average of only 8% of a serving of leafy green vegetables today. And the highest had 1.3 servings per day. So that lowest fifth was having only an 8% of a serving of green leafy greens per day. Before we get into outcomes, just a couple limitations to keep in mind. First of all, that's a really, really vanilla white group of people, 95% white. We know that the world is not made up of 95% white people. So take that with a grain of salt. They all lived in Chicago. We don't all live in Chicago. And, you know, notably 74% female. Women do tend to live longer, so that might be a little bit why the population is skewed, but it's actually skewed more than what you would expect. Knowing those limitations, we can now discuss outcomes. And the outcomes here are interesting. So remember, their question was, how does the consumption of green leafy vegetables affect the risk of age-related cognitive decline? And what they found was that cognitive decline difference between the lowest quintile, those folks that were having 8% of a serving of greens per day, and the highest quintile, people who were having 1.3 servings per day of leafy green vegetables, the cognitive decline difference between them was calculated to be 11 years. So what does that mean? What that means is that the people who were in that highest quintile eating 1.3 servings of leafy green vegetables were testing 11 years younger in their cognitive abilities than the people who were in the lowest quintile who were eating 8% of a serving. They did control for a lot of things in this study. They controlled for things like education, cognitive function, physical activity, smoking, alcohol, seafood, even after controlling for all those variables, the effect was the same. 1.3 servings per day is actually not a lot of leafy greens. So if you're looking at what they looked at with this study, a serving of leafy greens was half a cup of cooked spinach or braising greens like collards, kale, other greens, or one cup of raw salad greens slash lettuce. That's not a lot. You can easily reach this goal 
with a cup of spinach and a smoothie and a small side salad in a day. If you did that, you would actually exceed what these people were eating. This was a holy cow moment for me because I didn't think that there would be that big of a difference between the people that didn't eat many leafy greens and the people that ate lots of leafy greens. Now, keep in mind that the people that were eating 1.3 servings per day of leafy greens might have some other behaviors that they were also doing as a group that was creating some knock-on effects, some additional effects to their cognitive capacity that isn't going to show up when we just drill down the way we just have into the specifics of these populations and just isolate it out one thing that they were doing. But they did control for quite a bit, right? They controlled for education. They controlled for cognitive activities like reading, playing games, writing, etc. They controlled for physical activity, as I mentioned, all of those things. And they still had this outcome. They still had this remarkable difference. But they might have missed something. One way to feel more confident about outcomes when we're looking at research is to look to see if there's any other research that backs up the findings of this particular study that we're looking at. In this case, there are some other studies that reinforce the outcomes here. They're not exactly the same, and they don't have the same degree or amplitude of effect size, but they are helpful because they show the same trend lines. Statistically, they are significant, and they point in the same direction. This is another prospective study from 2005. It's by a group headed by Dr. King and colleagues, and it was published in 2005 in the Annals of Neurology. And in this prospective study, they were doing biennial questionnaires on cognitive function and food frequency questionnaires, similar to what we just talked about the previous study. This was part of a nurse's health study. They had an enormous amount of women in the study. They had 13,388 women in the study. That's a lot of women. And this was a six-year study spanning from 1995 to 2001. In this study, they looked at what these women were eating in their food frequency questionnaires, split them up into quintiles, and then looked at how their cognitive capacities were declining over time. Women in the highest quintile of cruciferous vegetables declined slower compared with the lowest quintile, and women consuming the most green leafy vegetables also experienced slower decline than women consuming the least amount. So the difference here between the highest quintile of consumption and the lowest quintile of consumption wasn't quite as exciting. It was about one to two years apart in age. Still a big difference, like in cognitive decline, one to two years. Not 11, which is astonishing. Like all studies, this study does have limitations. In this case, they were looking at only women, only nurses, and that introduces a lot of specific risks that that group carries purely because of their employment and their gender or sex. It's also interesting that they were seeing a similar outcome as we see in the other two studies, which is that you eat more vegetables, you do better in terms of cognitive decline, and that leafy green vegetables play a very big role in slowing cognitive decline in this population. So this is another piece of the puzzle, and another positive indicator for 
the consumption of leafy greens being associated with slower cognitive decline. Dr. Morris, who published that 2018 study we started off with, she and her colleagues in 2006 published another cohort study looking at older residents on the south side of Chicago. And these were participants in the Chicago Health and Aging Project, also called CHAP. It's a lovely name for a project, CHAP. And this ran from 1993 to 2002. And they had 3,718 community residents, a 60% black and 62% female. So getting better at representing a more multicultural group of people. And the mean age of these folks was 74.3 years of age, ranging from 65 to 102. In this group, the greater the consumption of vegetables in general, the slower the rate of cognitive decline. In the six years of time that they followed them, they noticed in general that if you ate more vegetables, you seemed to have slower cognitive decline, period. The decrease in rate for people who consumed greater than two vegetable servings per day was equivalent to about five years of younger age. Of the different types of vegetables that they looked at, green leafy vegetables seem to have the strongest association. So I hope I've delivered on that early promise I made, which was to astonish you. It's pretty surprising even to know that vegetables themselves seem to be correlated with slower cognitive decline. Maybe this is more of a, an indication that leafy greens are brain food, that there's something that happens when we eat them that our brains like and that helps our brains be more resilient and resistant to the pressures that they experience on a day-to-day basis. There's a few reasons for that. If you remember going back to the nun study, one of the correlations they found in that nun study was that the nuns that had higher folate levels were more likely to have better cognitive function or more likely to be in that group that had asymptomatic Alzheimer's disease. Those higher folate levels could be coming from, in part at least, dark leafy green vegetables. But there's so much more going on with dark leafy green vegetables than just folate. And so taking folate as a supplement isn't necessarily the right intervention. I would argue it's probably the best way to recreate the results here is to just do it, just eat the leafy greens. Really health-conscious folks that eat a lot of fruit and vegetables are probably doing way more than 1.3 servings of leafy greens per day. That's great. That's great. But the people that were doing the best in the studies, that's what they were averaging. If you feel the pull to recreate this in your own life, please remember that this is not medical advice. This is educational and to check in with a healthcare professional before you do that, especially if you're out there with any general medical condition going on. To wrap up today, I hope that was rewarding for you. I hope that established something in your brain that this stuff isn't rocket science. Eating more leafy greens is not rocket science. And it's really accessible for most of us. And it's actually not hard. And the effect size is likely pretty good. My goal today was to astonish you and inspire you. I hope I have. I'm so grateful that you tuned in again today for this episode of Well Nurtured Brain. If this is your first episode, thank you so much for being here. I want to remind you that a positive review of this podcast will help us grow and help us reach more people. Thank you so much. 
And I look forward to seeing you next time on The Well-Nurtured Brain. We drop our next episode in two weeks. Until then, please be kind to your mind. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Well-Nurtured Brain. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe and share this podcast. Spread the word about brain health to your friends and family. They'll thank you. The content of this podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice, nor should it be considered as such. If something discussed today seems applicable to you, please seek the assistance of an appropriately licensed healthcare professional. Thanks again for listening.